This past weekend, my wife and I visited my grandparents who live in Memphis, Tennessee, home of Elvis Presley. And if you go to Graceland, where Elvis lived, or still lives today, you'll note a very interesting fact. Over a million Americans claim to be related to Elvis through some sort of direct bloodline. Now, of course, this is a genetic impossibility. Nevertheless, I think it says something about humanity. We care very deeply about our DNA. So much so that if you've ever researched your family tree, there's an innate desire to be related to someone significant. Whether it's an actress or a quarterback or a president, I know my middle name is Fulton, and I'm related to Robert Fulton, who invented the steamboat. Of course, that moves my cool meter up a few notches. But if you're as lucky as I am, you too are related to someone significant, whether it's Robert Fulton or Elvis or Thomas Jefferson or Manu Ginobili. I don't know. But I would also venture to say this about your family tree. Somewhere down along the line of that family tree, there's bound to be some surprises as well. Uh, Some black sheep, some skeletons in the closet, so to speak. In fact, there's a website out there today called www.blacksheeproots.com in which you can research uh, your family tree to see if you're perhaps related to a serial killer or one of the Salem witches. Indeed, when it comes to our family tree, there's bound to be some significant people, but there's also bound to be some surprises as well. wonder if the same couldn't be said about Jesus. Take a look at Matthew's gospel this morning, and he lists Jesus' genealogy. And there's some very significant people, of course, Isaac, Abraham, Jacob, to name a few. But there's also a surprise in Jesus' family tree. Someone who you might not expect to be an ancestor of Christ. Someone who shares Jesus' very same DNA. But because of her shady past, we just assume ignore her. Her name is Rahab. And she was a prostitute who worked the red light district of Jericho. If you've never heard her story from Joshua chapter 2, let me tell it to you, just kind of give you the cliff note version. It goes something like this. Uh, Joshua, prior to entering into the promised land, sent out his spies to kind of see what was going on in Jericho. Uh, And his spies, in typical James Bond fashion, came into the city and decided to visit Rahab's brothel. Uh, What better place to go if you really want the insider scoop as to what's going on in the city? And they stay there for a little while, and the king of Jericho finds out that the spies are with Rahab. So he sends his soldiers to go and track them down. And they show up at Rahab's door, and they say, Rahab, have you seen the spies? And Rahab says, no, they've already left the city. She courageously lies on behalf of the spies whom she actually hid on top of her roof. Reason being that in talking with the spies, she found out that God indeed had delivered Israel from Egypt, or was going to deliver Israel from Egypt, 
and in turn believed their testimony and in turn believed in God. So much so that she was willing to risk being a traitor, willing to lie on behalf of the spies. And the soldiers went away. The rest, you might say, is history. You look later in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. Uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews has what we call the spiritual hall of fame chapter in Hebrews 11. And he lists lots of the key players in the Bible including Rahab. And this is what he says about Rahab. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed. Hebrews eleven thirty one. Over the next few weeks here in New Heights, we're going to be looking at a number of different uh, female heroines. In the Old Testament. And today we look at Rahab in the most important thing I learned from her faith is just that. She welcomed outsiders. And I really believe that God calls us to do the same, to welcome outsiders. But why? Why bother? Why should you and I welcome outsiders into our lives? Three observations. And the first is this. I think the first reason we should welcome outsiders into our lives is because first and foremost, God welcomes outsiders. Take Rahab, for example, a woman, a prostitute who lived on the margins even of her own culture. I think her marginality is symbolized by the physical location of where Rahab lived. She lived on the wall that separated Jericho, the city of Jericho, and the outside. She literally lived on the margins. She lived on the fringes. She worked on the fringes. But this did not stop God as to, as from claiming her as his own. Let me explain further. Sometime after the soldiers left her house, Rahab decided before she let the spies go that she would cut a deal with them. She says, look, guys, I lied on your behalf. I was willing to cover for you. I tell you what, I want to cut a deal. When y'all come in here to invade the city a few days from now, I want you to spare me and my family. And sure enough, the spies agree. And God honors this contract between the spies and Rahab. Because sure enough, Joshua and his men come invading just some days later. And they come and they loot and plunder uh, the city of Jericho, set it on fire. But not before rescuing Rahab and her family. It's as if God is saying, Rahab, even though you're an outsider, I love you so much. Even though you're a non-Israelite, I love you so much. Even though you're a prostitute, I love you so much. Even though you work on the margins of your society, I value you so much that I'm going to claim you to be part of my legacy that will culminate in Jesus. I am going to make your former whorehouse my house. Scandalous image of God's love, is it not? But what does it mean? 
I think it means that today, if you're feeling like an outsider, and I don't know why you may be feeling like an outsider. Maybe it's because of your friends. You feel like on the, you're on the outside of school. Or maybe it's because of your salary. You're on the outside of work. Or maybe it's because of your faith. You're on the outside of church. Or you've just moved here and you're on the outside of community. Or because of broken relationships, you're on the outside of family. You may be feeling on the outside of family, of community, of work, of church, of school. But what you need to know is that you are not on the outside of God's love. Brendan Manning, who is a uh, priest, wrote a book some years ago called The Ragamuffin Gospel. And in that book, he has a paragraph that he encourages uh, his readers to memorize. And it's so good that I took him up on it. And this is what he writes. He says, here is a revelation as bright as the evening star. Jesus comes for sinners, for outsiders, for those caught up in squalid choices and failed dreams. He comes for tax collectors and street people and IRS agents, for corporate executives, for AIDS victims, for hookers, and even for used car salesmen. And he not only comes to share time with them, he dines with them, knowing full well that his actions will raise the eyebrows of those who hold up their robes of insignia, to justify their condemnation of the truth and their rejection of the gospel of grace. You need to know that whether you woke up this morning in a small house or a big house or an outhouse or a farmhouse or a broken house or a penthouse or a whorehouse, God's love extends directly to you. That is the good news of God's grace. That is the good news of the gospel. And that is where we begin, because we cannot welcome in outsiders or love outsiders if we don't first know that God's grace and love extends to us unconditionally. That's number one. We welcome outsiders because God welcomes outsiders. He welcomes us. Then my second observation is this. We should welcome outsiders because outsiders... Help us to grow spiritually in our faith. If you don't believe me, just ask Rahab. Have you ever wondered how Rahab went from a prostitute to the spiritual hall of fame? It's because she welcomed in the spies. And by doing that, the spies helped change your life. I want to take a moment to be real candid uh, with you all. I, my role here at the church is an associate pastor. And I'm not only the youngest pastor, but I'm also the lowest on the totem pole. And I've been here the least amount of times. And so one of my roles here at church is to work with outsiders. If you want to have a wedding or a funeral and you don't know any of the pastors or you're unfamiliar with the church, then you get stuck with me. And... It is one of the most challenging and yet one of the most meaningful parts of my job. That there are people who are from out of town. Some of them are difficult. Uh, But what I have learned over time 
is in working with them, I've really begun to value some of those aha moments. You know, when they, when they really kind of get God for the first time or they, or they have a moment uh, with Scripture and they haven't been in Scripture uh, for years. And I get to witness that. In fact, I venture to say that a lot of the relationships that I enter into with these outsiders, uh, they, they end up blessing me and I end up growing in my faith. And I hear these same types of testimonies from Stephen ministers, from people who work in the Hope Center. And I don't think it's much of a coincidence. Because if you look at Jesus' life, so much of his teaching revolves around his interaction with outsiders, whether it be uh, the adulteress, or uh, the woman at the well, or, or, or tax collectors, or, or parables about a, a son who finally comes home. I think about that, and, and I, I'm becoming to realize in, in my life that I can pray all day, that I can read the Bible all day, I can fast all day, I can worship all day. But if my love for God is not directly proportional to my love for other people, then I will never grow in my faith. And, and, and I think that uh, our willingness to grow, worship, not worship, but serve and mentor outsiders is a real key component to who we are trying to be as Christians. We're trying to be like Jesus Christ. But first and foremost... We welcome outsiders because God welcomes outsiders. And second, we welcome outsiders because outsiders grow our faith. And then third, we welcome outsiders because in welcoming an outsider, we welcome Jesus. Many years ago, Mother Teresa spent some time on the streets of Calcutta in India where there were a number of different people living in dire poverty uh, with illness and disease. And a reporter asked Mother Teresa, when you walk the streets of Calcutta, what do you see? You know what Mother Teresa said? She said, I see Jesus in distressing disguise. And you know, I think about that. And I think about the fact that Rahab... And Jesus share the same DNA? And I say to myself, Mother Teresa is right. Because Jesus shares the DNA of outsiders. He shares the DNA of a woman, of a prostitute, of a foreigner. The next time an outsider comes knocking on the door of your life, who will you see? Will you see someone who deserves to live on the outside Forever? Or will you see Jesus? If you see Jesus, be as welcoming with your life as Rahab was to the spies. And who knows? He or she might just change your life. Let us pray. Great and gracious God, I thank you so much for your love for us for your grace that extends to us no matter who we are, where we are, what we have done in the past, or what we are doing. God, we ask that in the days ahead that you would continue to shower us with your love, that you would change our hearts to look more like yours. 
And that you also, God, would help us to have the courage of Rahab, to help us to have the strength to open our lives to those who are on the outside and receive their love that comes through you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen.